delighted to be here for the worship of God and we welcome you in the Savior's precious name. And we're going to sing together as we worship the Lord the hymn 27. Come, let us with our Lord arise, our Lord who made both earth and skies, who died to save the world he made and rose triumphant from the dead. <coughs> It's all stand to see. Let's read God's Word as we have it in our psalm for today, the Psalm 60. O God, Thou hast cast us off, Thou hast scattered us, 
Thou hast been displeased. O oh, turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble. Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Thou hast showed thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine hand. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Philistia, triumph thou because of me. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God, which hadst cast us off, and thou, O God, which didst not go out with our armies, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Amen. And we have many enemies that need to be put down. Those spiritual enemies of the world, the flesh and the devil. And then there's other enemies. And we, we think of our Ukrainian friends because this Saturday, as you know, the 24th of February, we'll see the anniversary, the second anniversary of the war commencing in Ukraine just two years ago. So we're thinking about you. And then I think it was the 16th of April that you began to, to come to our country and you've been with us ever since. May God bless you today. Let's pray. Lord, we're glad that we can come before the presence of the great and sovereign God who inhabiteth eternity. The one who is eternal in his being from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. And the one who is in control of all things. The God that created the heavens and the earth. We know that he's in charge of all that goes on in this world. And we know that he is working out his purpose and his plan. Day by day, week by week, and through even the centuries of time. And Lord, we know that the great plan and purpose of God is to gather unto himself a people to the Lord Jesus Christ, who opened up the way and provided eternal redemption for those who are saved. And so, Lord, through the nations of the earth, these people are being called out, your church, your body, being called out as a people that are to be holy unto God and to walk with God in a dark day, a people whom thou hast saved eternally. And Lord, we're glad, those of us who know the Savior today, that it's well with us, and you've given to us eternal life. And no man can pluck us out of thy hand. We thank you that we are safe and secure. We're in the hand of the Father. We're in the hand of Christ. And we'll never perish is what the Word of God teaches us. We have life eternal. And we have a hope for heaven that is sure 
and steadfast. We thank you for all the Lord means to us in this life as we seek to walk with the Lord and please him every day. As we gather as the body of Christ, and Lord, we're, we're glad that we are a church and you have called us as a people, the Lord being the head and the members of his body being the church, his people. And Lord, there are these times when your body can come together and worship God and praise his name and enjoy fellowship the one with the other. Indeed, in fulfillment to your word, we come here this day in obedience to the divine will. And it is our deep desire that above all else, Christ will be here, that he will be the meeting focal point of every believer today, that our gaze will be principally upon him, that we will sit with a prayer in our heart, speak to me. Lord, Mary sat at your feet in those ancient days in the New Testament to learn from thee. And Lord, you commended her for it. She had chosen the better part. And Lord, we know there is a sense when we come to your house where we're sitting at the feet of the Lord and soon the word of God will be opened and expounded and the bread of life will be given. And Lord, we want to feast upon it. We want to enjoy the word. We want to hear from heaven the voice of our beloved speaking to us, leading us on with God that little bit further in the Christian life. We want to grow in grace and the knowledge of God and to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. We want to please thee. Enoch had the testimony as he walked with God in his day that he pleased the Lord. And we pray that we'll be like Enoch of old. Help us to set the Lord always before us, to follow hard after him. Lord, remember our friends here from Ukraine. We know that almost two years ago, the war broke out in that land. And there's been fighting ever since. We think, Lord, of the oppression, persecution. We think of the raining down of bombs and the killing, the shooting, people that are dying, people that are being injured. We think of displaced families. We think, Lord, of, of homes that have been mourning over these past couple of years because loved ones have been taken, lost in the war. And Lord, we do remember them for good. We pray for a conclusion. We pray for an end. Lord, your word tells us that he maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. And Lord, we pray that you'll make this war to cease and that you will comfort our brethren and sisters here and that you will bless them in this time when anniversaries like this come about. We know that, that there are many thoughts and there are many burdens of heart. But Lord, you're the great comforter. And so come to your children and bless them and strengthen them and encourage them in the Lord. We pray that you'll remember the sick of the church and we think of Lydia especially this week and the following weeks as treatment will soon commence. That the good hand of the Lord will be upon her to strengthen her in her body and Lord, to strengthen her in her mind as well. And Lord, we think of her soul we rejoice that she's resting in thee and Ryan too in the family and they've cast their care upon the Savior who cares for them. And so guide them in these days and bless them. Remember James and, and Margaret. Remember Kenny. Remember 
early Monteith as well, down there in Oma, this faithful old man of God, bless him, Lord, encourage him in the Lord, and others in the prayer list, those that are in our minds and hearts just now that, that need your special touch, Lord, be with them. We pray that this day will be a blessed day, what has taken place already in Sunday school and Bible class, that it will greatly honor the Lord. And what is still to take place in this meeting and in our gospel service tonight, oh, send the breath of the Holy Spirit into every meeting. And in the incoming week, as we seek to serve the in the church and out of the church, we think of the meetings that will be held, the children's work on a Tuesday night, the school's ministry that will be coming up several times this week. Lord, own it, bless it, and our young people as they come together on Friday night to pray, be their portion and set our youth on fire for God and give them burning desires for the Lord. Oh, hear and answer our prayers. For we come to the house of God today with many a heartache and many a burden. And thy God seest us, each one. Meet us at the point of our need, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We sing together, number 63, with the chorus, Oh, how I love the Savior's name. There is a name I love to hear. There, I love to sing its worth. There's a misprint there in what I've copied. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. If you remember that, please, thank you. <clears throat> Let's all stand to sing.
Warm what a welcome to the congregation here in the church and those that are joining us on the internet. Always glad to have those that are with us on Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. And we trust that you'll be blessed where you are. Always encouraged to hear of people. We, we meet them, we hear about them that are listening in. And we trust that the Lord's portion will be yours also. If you're visiting with us, we're always glad to have visitors. May the Lord bless you. Do remember, supper will be served after the gospel meeting tonight, and the gospel meeting is at seven. I want to speak on reactions to gospel preaching, but uh, before that, we gather for prayer at 6.30. After that, there's a time of fellowship, and I'm asking the ladies just to remember that, just your, your little bit is always very much appreciated what you bring, so that folks can can just sit together, have a cup of tea, and fellowship the one with the other. On Monday morning, tomorrow morning, the Hebron Tots will be back again. The school ministry continues this week. On Tuesday in Castle Row, I'll be there, God willing. Wednesday in Lislagan, Christina will be responsible to speak there. And then Thursday in Kilcrow, Greg will be at that school. Pray for these opportunities that God will bless them. Tuesday night, Tuesday morning, first of all, Senior Fellowship at 11 o'clock. Tuesday night, then, Youth Challenge at 7 p.m. And on Wednesday night, it's our monthly committee meeting at 8 o'clock. On Thursday night, you're in for a treat because our new elder is going to preach the word on Thursday night, Samuel Johnson. So you come and hear Samuel, enjoy the word, enjoy the time of prayer. I'll be at the Christian Workers Training Academy in Sandra Gee. Friday night is Youth Fellowship. It's a special night because the young people will pray together. I remember this time last year and the time of prayer, and it was a real blessing. So what can you do if you're not at the Youth Fellowship? Well, you can pray for the young people as they pray, and pray that God will make it a real special night as they come together, learn to pray and seek the Lord and call upon his name. Jonathan uh, will be home by then in the will of God, and he will bring a wee message for the young people before they pray. Do you remember next Lord's Day, we gather to seek the Lord at 8 o'clock out here in the fellowship area. We come to pray. Sunday school is at 10.30. The Bible class is a quarter to 11. Mervyn is dealing with good guidance for godly living, and he comes to the third message, possessing patience. They say patience is a virtue, don't they? You know the rhyme. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom in a woman and always in a man. That's how, that's how I remember it, but I'm sure, I'm sure you've got a different version, especially if you're one of the ladies. Anyhow, worship service is at 12 noon, and the gospel meeting at 7, preceded by prayer, we're keeping this live on our announcements. The mission board celebrates 50 years, special meetings down there in Lisburn from the 6th through to the 9th, that Saturday night of March. Our next family night is on the 3rd of March at 7 o'clock. Margaret Cameron, a sinner saved by grace, is how she has entitled her testimony. And her sister Margaret is a converted Roman Catholic came to know the Lord many, many years ago, and I know that you'll enjoy your testimony. Bring others with you, plan towards it, invite them to come. The elders' visitation will be up and running within the next few weeks, 
Um, we, we did say this on Thursday night. Anyone needing a visit from myself, just, just request that. Most days we're dealing with people in need and sick in the congregation and so forth. But to anyone that needs a, a visit, please let me know. <laughs> I have a special announcement to do with our school, with Lydia uh, going off and having treatment. Uh, we do need to cover the next number of months at our school uh, for four months. That's until June. And if you know of any teacher that could do this, we need Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday covered. Uh, please let me know as soon as possible. This matter is urgent for us. We do continue to pray for Lydia and the others. We mentioned some of them in prayer. James has been in and out of hospital. He's, he's out of hospital again. Margaret is still in hospital. We continue to remember Anne's story and, and the others here on the prayer list. Please remember them before the Lord. On Thursday night, we asked you to remember a dear old saint of God called Winnie Loverty. And Winnie went to be with the Lord on Friday. She was 86 years of age and for some little time has been in a home down in the Belfast area. And those of you that have been about the Free Church for a while, you'll remember Winnie. She was one of the, the main staff members of the Bethel Bookshop in Belfast for many, many years. So remember, remember her friends, friends that knew her so well that will miss her now that she has gone. We had a great meeting on, on uh, Friday night, just standing outside the martyrs, and we had to queue up to get in. Isn't it always good when you have to queue up to get into church? That was partly because quite a few came at the one time, and partly because only one door was opened at the front. But anyhow, that was the queue in front of us as we arrived, and the young people packed out the, the ground floor of the martyrs, and it was just lovely to see so many of our youth at the meeting, and the, the youth choir took part as well. It was a really good night. I want to thank those who, as we say, braved the elements on yesterday, on Saturday, coming to the open air and standing with us. That, that's us waiting, which we don't normally do for a space, and it was probably one of the most difficult days to get a space, and John had to park across the road and wait patiently until a space became available. And then when we saw a lady, she was just got into her car, Phil very kindly went over and says, don't you move until we get round in case anybody takes this space. I'm only imagining what you might have said, Phil, something like that. It was probably more polite. Um, you could have let her go and you could have stood in the space and just directed the traffic on, but they mightn't have obeyed you. Anyhow, the open air took place. Phil preached the word, and we appreciate those that came out despite the rain. And uh, there was a good crowd there. Mentioned on Thursday night about Pastor Sabine and his wife Emma visiting poor communities and giving out uh, food for the poor families who are greatly in need at this time. And we mentioned also there was a weak communication from Pastor Emmanuel, who was with us just a few weeks ago at the missionary weekend. And just to encourage our Hebron tots, those of you that are in charge, he looked through the door and he saw what was going on and learned what was happening. And I think he took a photograph and shared it when he went back uh, to Romania. And as a result, there are mums from the church coming together 
and they're going to offer a ministry to parents and toddlers starting tomorrow. So be encouraged that you encourage others to start such a ministry. And he also talked about the ministry in Campina. That's where his church is. We've been going to two other places, as you know. Uh, but in his own church, they've been reaching out to the Roma families. And nine children from these Roma families came in uh, to, to do homework. I think this is an excellent idea to help these children in education. But they stayed on for the children's meeting. And therefore, they were under the sound of God's word and listened to the gospel. And that's really what it's all about. I want you to pray for us because we were asked to go uh, at the end of March, just into the beginning of April, to do a conference with the Roma churches in the county of Bazo and to visit poor families. So there'll be four days spent in conference meetings, bringing these people together. And in the morning of those days and the other days that we're there, we'll be visiting around families who are in need. Uh, so we would appreciate your prayers as we prepare for that time. And there will be, God willing, in the month of October, a, a small group going out to see the work in Romania and at the same time have a kind of a break as well. So it'll not be like BBS, go, go, go. It'll be <clears throat> just a wee bit different, go, stop, go, stop, that type of thing. And you'll, you'll see Romania, you'll see the work that uh, our church has been involved in for many, many years. And there are eight people who have already said that they're going. We have booked 10 and we need to confirm that with the travel agent tomorrow. So if anyone else is interested, please let me know. We've been asking you every week to pray for uh, the land of Ukraine. And as we indicated at the start of the meeting two years ago, on the 24th of February, the war broke out. And we want to think about our friends. And there was just a news headline this morning that uh, visas are going to be extended a little bit longer to them. They were initially given a visa to be in our country for three years, and that's going to be extended another little while, another 18 months uh, from what I saw. So remember them for good, and remember the land of Israel. We don't want to forget what's going on every day in these lands that are at war. These are all the announcements, all subject to the will of God, we're going to bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. We will have opportunity to, to, to preach on giving to the Lord and His work in a few weeks' time as we study through Mark's gospel. But the tithe is the tenth, and uh, we, we don't want to rob God as Malachi speaks about. We want to give to the Lord that which He has given us, because anything that we are and anything that we have is of the Lord, and He only asks for a little bit back for his work on earth. So today is also missionary envelopes and school covenant support. We're going to sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. It's the hymn 632. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne makes all, make all my wants and wishes known. It's a lovely hymn. We know it so well. But think of the words. We think of Thursday night. We think of other times of prayer in the church, and they ought to be sweet times with the Lord because he's calling his church together. We're going to see something about that later on in the message, and we're being called away from the world of care, all those cares and burdens of normal life that we have week by week, day by day. What a blessing it is just to come together 
as a body of Christ and be in God's house to make our wants and wishes known, especially as the hymn says in seasons of distress and grief. We'll keep our seats as we sing.
Coming back to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, as we continue our meditations from this Gospel, and we're going to read from verse 11, chapter 11, verse 11, reading through to verse 19. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when He had looked round about upon all things, and now the even tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city." We come to, I think, fittingly, message 100, and it deals with prayer. That's such an important subject. So maybe as you think of the meditations in Mark, you'll remember the 100th message was to do with prayer. And we're going to pray just now as we commit our way to the Lord. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word. Quick and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, we want to feel that in our hearts when we come to read it for ourselves, when we come to sit in church at any meeting, and right here now in God's house as we've read these verses, and now we seek to, to talk a little about the subject of prayer. Oh, take the sword. Lord, whatever way that sword needs to be wielded, wherever it needs to pierce, wherever it needs to cut, Lord, may it be so for us all. I pray for the Holy Spirit, the great teacher, to sit with us now, to counsel us, to infill this preacher with all the grace, the wisdom, and the power that he needs to bring the message today. Oh, may the Lord be glorified as a result of our coming together into the house of God this day and around your precious word for Jesus' sake. Amen. On the day of Christ's triumphal ride into the city of Jerusalem, he makes his way to the temple, the house of God, the place of worship. At this visit, we are simply told that when he had looked round about upon all things, 
And now the even was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. So the evening before, returning to the temple to purge it for its misuse and sin, he just looked around at everything. And he didn't like what he saw, but he didn't do anything because he had plans for the next day. There were money changers and bird merchants in the outer court. They were taking up the space set aside for the Gentiles to worship God. And he already knows what he's going to do, but not just now. The next morning, he returns with his disciples to Jerusalem and to the, the temple. He comes not as the king of Israel to attack the Romans, but he comes as the king of righteousness to attack the misuse of the temple. As he entered the house of God, he began to drive out those that were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those that were selling doves. Furthermore, he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. The Lord had a message for the people that day. And it's the words of our text. Is it not written... In other words, do you not know what the Bible says or the Word of God has recorded? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And this, as you can imagine, annoyed the chief priests and the scribes immensely so that they began to devise means whereby they would destroy him. But not just at that moment, for we're told they feared him. Because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. You will know that the temple sits at the very heart of Judaism. It is principally the place of worship, praise, adoration, and prayer. Indeed, it's a meeting place with God himself. The glory of God descended upon the temple that was made by Solomon, and God promised to put his name there, to dwell there. At the solemn dedication of the temple, Solomon declared, I have surely built thee an house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. And though Solomon admitted that the heaven and the heaven of heavens could not contain God and how much less this house that he had built. God promised, I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Though this first temple was destroyed by Babylon, and rebuilt in the days of Zerubbabel after the 70 years of captivity, the principle remained the same. The purpose of use never changed. The place of worship, praise, adoration, and prayer. Indeed, the Lord refers to what the, the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah had recorded. 
don't have to turn to the place, but Isaiah 56 and verse 7 records these words. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. And the Lord's quoting that now when he has come to the temple to cleanse it. And then the other verse is in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 11. In this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes. And the Lord seems to be referring to this prophecy of Jeremiah as well in the words that he speaks here. Jesus takes these two verses from the Old Testament Scripture and he applies them to what is happening right before him in his day. One verse was full of purity and promise. God's temple would be an inviting place of prayer where people would come together to pray. The other verse was full of conviction and warning. People had perverted God's right purpose for their own gain. In the courts of the temple, there were those who had taken financial advantage of, or had been taken financial advantage of, being cheated through exorbitant exchange rates and being compelled to buy the temple-approved animals for sacrifice with the pretext that their own animals were not worthy enough to be offered. Jesus denounced such greedy goings-on, and he, he physically put a stop to the corruption. You see, my friends, God has a high design for his house. But Israel had degenerated so much that they were using it for vile and profane purposes to feed their greed. God's house ought to have been a place for prayer for men, where they could meet with God, his design was for his house in Jerusalem to be a gathering place for worshipers from all the nations, not just Jerusalem, not just Israel, but from all the nations of the world. A place where prayers would rise like incense from the hearts of the faithful to the very presence of the living God. And I believe it's fitting to remind ourselves of what God's house today is principally for. This building where we gather is, is not the Jewish temple, I know that, but it is a place that has been opened to the glory of God for certain reasons. There are chief purposes of this house. Worship, praise, preaching, fellowship, and of course, prayer, not entertainment, not socializing, not for gossip. Those are not the reasons for the house of God. We have a pulpit here that is central, reminding us of the importance of God's Word and the preaching ministry of this house. And that's why in all of our churches, the pulpit is not to the side. The pulpit is central. Because what happens here on the Lord's day is so important when the Word of God is open and the Bible is preached. And then, of course, we have pews that are centered around 
the pulpit indicating the chief purpose of worship, and that is around the Scriptures of truth. Here we fellowship with God, and we fellowship with one another. There is vertical fellowship, and there is horizontal fellowship. The vertical fellowship is where the Lord is. He's there in glory from here to there. And the horizontal fellowship is, well, you and I that are gathered as the saints of God, we're here to fellowship the one with the other. And then prayer is also a dominant part of our worship and practice. We never hold a meeting without prayer, whatever the nature of that meeting might be. And we put emphasis upon the, the, the public gatherings of the church. For us, it's a Thursday night, it's a Sunday night before the evening service, Sabbath morning at the early season of prayer, and then other special prayer times that are organized by the church, including what we're doing with our young people on Friday night. You see, Jesus said, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. Can I take the opportunity, in the light of our Savior's words here, to highlight the importance of prayer in this house, as it is God's house, the public place of worship? My main emphasis will be upon the collective seasons of prayer, though I'm sure there'll be an application for us individually, personally, with regard to our prayer life. There'll be an application, I'm sure, for married life, husbands and wives praying together, and there'll be an application for family life. Uh, if you have children where you gather around family worship, but the great thought today will be upon God's house of prayer when we come here to pray together. And I have three simple thoughts to leave with you. First of all, the place of supplication, because God has a place for us to meet together with Him as a church. When the permanent structure of the, the temple, God's house, was first made, you remember Solomon offered prayer. The house was dedicated by prayer. The king offered a long prayer, giving us much instruction about how prayer is offered in the house of God. And so, we, won't, we don't have time to do this, but I want you to, to think about 1 Kings chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, because those are the passages of Scripture where the dedication of the temple is recorded. And as you bring them together, there's a few things that you ought to notice. I'll give them to you very quickly. Number one, God promised His name to be there. That's His presence. I'll be there. I'll put my name there. I'll dwell there. Furthermore, God is acknowledged publicly as the incomparable God, because it was acknowledged there's none like Him. When we come to God's house and we're coming to meet with the Lord, and especially when we're praying to Him, let's remember there's nobody like our God. He cannot be compared to anyone else or any other God of the heathen. Furthermore, it's a place where God receives and answers prayer. There's no other reason to be in church for a prayer meeting. You remember this. In his house, God has promised to receive your supplications and to answer your cries. 
It's the place to come to for worship, as the people did. They gathered that day as Solomon dedicated the temple and they worshiped the Lord. It's the place to come to in times of sin, failure, and defeat. You remember all those scenarios that Solomon set before the Lord, if Israel does this, this, and, you know, various sins that might infiltrate into the hearts of God's people, turning away from the Lord. And if they did that, if they turned their face towards the house of God again and came in repentance, well, God would forgive their sin. That's what he promised to do. So it's the place to come to when we feel the Lord. And then the whole congregation received a blessing that day. Solomon pronounced a blessing upon all that gathered. Furthermore, it was there that definite prayer was answered for Solomon, because God said, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. It must have been a wonderful thing as Solomon prayed that long prayer to hear from the Lord that day. I've not only listened to you, I've not only received your prayer, but I've heard it, and I'm going to answer your prayer. It's a wonderful thing when we leave the prayer meetings, we have that assurance in our hearts as well. And then it was there that the fire and the glory of the Lord filled that place. And we're longing for that every time we come. We meet for prayer for the Spirit of God to come and the fire of God to fall. I could never overemphasize the importance of prayer in the house of God, the collective time, the public prayer meetings of the church. Because you see, the Lord puts a high value upon such. He has given special promises regarding the, the public assembly when they come to pray, and not least that very familiar portion in Matthew 18 and verses 19 and 20, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I'm so glad by the grace of God in this house there's more than two or three comes together at all of our prayer meetings. Thank God we've never been diminished to such a small number. But even if that happens, the Lord is still going to be there to meet with a small number. But God has blessed us with the people who love the Lord and who have a desire for His courts and who want to come and pray. And very often we could have on a Thursday night upwards of 100 people gathering into the prayer meeting room to seek the Lord. But less there's somewhere in the world, and there are places in the world where there's just a little handful of the church coming together. It might be a persecuted land. It might be a land that is filled with idolatry or some other country where Christianity is not so much known, but there's a little nucleus of people, and there they come together so that they will not be discouraged. Here's a promise for them from the lips of Christ. Even if it's just two or three, I'm going to be there in the midst of that gathering. The place of supplication. Brethren and sisters, God has a place here. And you know the times and the seasons when the church is open for prayer. A quick little, little point to make. The, the pattern in Scripture. You cannot read the scriptures without saying very, very clearly that God's people not only worshiped and prayed in private, we call that the closet praying, 
Jesus told his people to go into the closet and meet alone with God, and your Father which seeth and seeketh which shall reward thee openly. So there, there, there's not only the individual going together, and you not only see families coming together for prayer, but there were the public gatherings. You can't miss that if you know the Bible at all. The Bible furnishes us with the pattern, showing us, therefore, our duty and responsibility to be at the collective times where it's possible. So never neglect the public prayer meeting. Certainly never forsake the public prayer meeting. Never, never treat it as unimportant. I hope there's no Christian here would, would see it in that way. That Thursday night or Sunday morning or Sunday evening, it's not really an important meeting to be at. Never look at it that way. Never uh, relegate the prayer meeting to some low position, something that God has placed on high. You wouldn't want to do that. You think of 1 Kings. There's a public prayer meeting. There's the pattern, the first temple, the building of it, the huge assembly of the people as prayer is, is made, chiefly by Solomon in that day. And they gathered, and there's other examples in the Old Testament. But we think of the New Testament too. And I was thinking about the Gospel of Luke and the first chapter in verse 10 where the people were praying. We're told that the whole multitude of the people were praying. The whole multitude. Great gathering. And they were praying without at the time of incense. When they, under the old economy, when the priests went in to burn the incense, there there was a prayer meeting that took place outside, outside, the, court, outside the, the place where the incense was burned. The people couldn't go there. Only the priests could go there. But the people gathered collectively to pray and call upon the Lord. And there is this picture in the Bible that our prayers are like incense rising unto God. And then we come, of course, to the, the great examples of the Acts of the Apostles. When we have the establishment of the, the early New Testament church, you can't read through the Acts of the Apostles without, without saying and saying, there's a people that prayed, came together. Think of the verse 14 of chapter 1, when, when the people came after the resurrection and ascension of the Lord, they went back to Jerusalem. They went back. What did they go back to do? They went back to pray. They went back to gather together and to pray over the promise of God, which was the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 14, they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. There they are, gathered together to seek the Lord. And what a mighty outcome there was to that prayer time, for the Holy Ghost eventually came on the day of Pentecost after 10 days of praying, and the Spirit filled the hearts of those people, and especially the preachers who went out, and a great work was done. You go over just a few chapters to chapter 4. After a time of persecution, when Peter and John were arrested and they were put into prison, we know that they, they, they came and they prayed and sought the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And we read in verse 24, when they heard that, that now they've, they've been released from their apprehension and they, they go the previous verse, to their own company. Go to the people of God who are already gathered together to pray. And verse 24 says, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. 
And what follows is prayer. And again, the result of that prayer meeting, the house shook where they were assembled together and the Spirit of God filled that place and filled, more importantly, the people that were there. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. In the great time of crisis in Acts chapter 12, when one of the disciples was murdered, run through with the sword of Herod, and another disciple, Peter, was put in prison, what did the church do? Well, as the church should always do in our times of need, they got together to pray. We know that we read in verse 5 how Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God unto him. And they were gathered together in a home on this occasion, but the church was there, the body of Christ. They were praying together, praying for Peter who's in prison. And God answered that prayer, and he's wonderfully and miraculously released from prison, and we read in verse 12, when he had considered this thing, what had happened, this marvelous exodus from prison, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, John Mark, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Many, many people gathered together seeking the Lord, praying for Peter. Peter immediately leaves prison, and he goes to the prayer meeting where the people have been praying for him. And so you have this pattern throughout the Scriptures of a praying church. They came together again and again, and we know that Christ himself attended the places of public worship and prayer. And then with the third point, and that is the people of sincerity. You cannot leave the subject without saying that we need a people. You can't have a prayer meeting without people. And so there needs to be a people with a sincere heart panting after God in His courts. We need those upon which the hand of God has moved and the Spirit of God has filled to be faithful prayer warriors in church. Only then will we know God's blessing. It's only when Zion travailed that she, she brought forth her children. Every major work of God, including the great days of revival and an awakening, religious awakening, had their origin in prayer. Every time God found men and women that He could trust. And what did He do? He brought them together into a prayer meeting to seek the Lord. E.M. Bounds says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better machinery, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. <clears throat> he does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. George Mueller, he said, our prayer meetings have been a blessing to us <clears throat> and united us more than ever in the work. There's no place like a prayer meeting when we come to pray over God's work and we come to pray over our problems and we come to share our burdens that unites the people of God more together than any other place. Leonard Ravenhill, he said, the true church lives and moves and has its being in prayer. He said, let the fires go out in the boiler room of the church 
and the place will still look smart and clean, but it will be cold. The prayer room is the boiler room for its spiritual life. And the great C.H. Spurgeon, he said, what a company we have here tonight <clears throat> as he looked out across the prayer meeting of his church. It fills my heart with gladness and my eyes with tears of joy to see so many hundreds of persons gathered together at what is sometimes wickedly described as only a prayer meeting. It is good for us to draw nigh unto God in prayer and especially good to make up a great congregation for such a purpose. We have attended little prayer meetings of four or five, and we have been glad to be there, for we have had the promise of our Lord's presence. But our minds are grieved to see so little attention given to united prayer by many of our churches. We have longed to see great numbers of God's people coming up to pray, and we now enjoy this sight. Let us praise God that it is so. How could we expect a blessing if we were too idle to ask for it? How could we look for a Pentecost if we never met with one accord in one place to wait upon the Lord? Brethren, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. And Spurgeon went on to say, if a church <clears throat> is to be what it ought to be for the purposes of God, we must train it in the holy art of prayer. Churches without prayer meetings are grievously common. Even if there were only one such, it would be one to weep over. In many churches, the prayer meeting is only the skeleton of a gathering. The form is kept up, but the people do not come. There is no interest, no power in connection with the meeting. Oh, my brothers, let it not be so with you. Do train the people to continually meet together for prayer. Rouse them to incessant supplication. There is a holy art in it. Study to show yourselves approved by the prayerfulness of your people. If you pray yourself, you will want them to pray with you. And when they begin to pray with you and for you and for the work of the Lord, they will want more prayer themselves and the appetite will grow. Believe me, if a church does not pray, it is dead. Instead of putting united prayer last, put it first. Everything will hinge upon the power of prayer in the church. So as we come to the end of our meeting today, <clears throat> My question is this, as, as the Lord says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. What does he find in Hebron today? As he looks around, <coughs> if you can just imagine the Lord, like he did that day in the temple the day before he cleansed it, he came and he looked around and he surveyed the situation. What does he see in us? As he looks not just to, to the exterior, but the interior right within us, what does he see? What does he see in his temple? A praying people? A congregation that loves them enough to get to the prayer meetings? Used to be an old saying, if you want to know how popular 
churches go to the worship service on a Sunday morning and see how many people attend. You want to know how popular a preacher is? Go back on a Sunday night to see who comes back to hear him. But if you want to know how popular the Lord is, go to the prayer meeting. And that is so true. I close with a verse from the Old Testament Scriptures. And it's Isaiah 64 and verse 7. And it's an awful indictment here about the people who lived in this day of the prophet. As God looked down, there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. There is none that calleth upon my name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. There needs to be a stirring up in the hearts of God's people. Well, we want the Lord to come and stir us, but you'll see there's none that stir us. So, so there's responsibility here with us, a duty with us to stir up our hearts, to lay hold upon God, and to stir up our hearts to make sure that we put a high value upon the house of prayer, as the Lord calls it. And when we do, God will come, I believe, and take hold of us as he did with Jacob. Jacob stirred up his heart to pray that night. Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and the Lord came and laid hold upon him and wrestled with him and gave him power, power with God and power with man. And Jacob was never the same again. Oh, may the Lord give us the spirit of Jacob to stir up our hearts, to wrestle with God and to make sure we're not an absentee when it comes to the prayer meeting or prayer meetings of the church. For Jesus says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we read in your word and the gleanings that we can just bring to our own hearts. And we see the Lord going and cleansing the temple because it was misused. And he reminded the people of the chief purpose of that place. And we know that the house of God today is a place of preaching, it's a place of fellowship, it's a place of worship and praise, but it's still the house of prayer. And it's still the place where God wants his people to be together as his body to seek him. Lord, may we learn from what Jesus has said. And may we learn from the great examples and patterns of the Scripture as the church came together, Old and New Testament alike, to seek the Lord. And Lord, may we stir up our hearts. And Lord, if our hearts are not being stirred, may we pray, Lord, stir up our hearts and take hold of us and help us to realize our duty as God's people in these days. For Christ's sake. Amen. 621 is the closing hymn. <clears throat> we love the place, O God, wherein thine honor dwells. The joy of thine abode, all earthly joy excels. 
and the place where God dwells is his house. And the next verse reminds us that it's also the house of prayer. Can we say, as we sing, we love the place. I trust that we can. Let's all rise to sing. it's thine to apply and we're praying for the application of divine truth the words of the preacher will just be words unless God takes them and God writes them upon our hearts and so Lord we're asking for the intervention of the Lord we're praying for the voice of God for the ministry of the spirit to take your word and that which has been wholesome and good and, and necessary really apply it to our hearts and Anything that has been of the nature of wood, hen, stubble, just take it away, Lord, and help us to hear what God is saying. Separate us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.